Hey there, you are listening to a podcast from the Christian Campus House at the University of Central Missouri. Our mission is to journey with students as they discover and build a deeper relationship with Jesus. And so we hope that our recorded teachings help you discover or build a deeper relationship with Jesus. Enjoy. Well, I'm not going to show you, but the people in the back are going to show you maybe the cutest picture ever. If you follow my wife, Ronnie, on Instagram or anything, you might have seen that picture already, but I showed up like back at home yesterday after work, and she was like, Grant, let's put Logan in a pumpkin, and I was like, the what? And then, <laughs> but we did it, and I'm glad we did, because, I mean, it's pretty cute. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's just so sweet, and we've had to continually, like, just looking at him, and like, just so many moments where we're like, oh, he's so cute, and we love this stage that he's in so much. Uh, we've had to continually remind ourselves, like, growing up is good. Growing up is good. Like, we really want him to stay small. And there are so many times that you'll just be, like, squeezing his little thighs or his little cheeks. And you're just like, oh, I just wish he would stay this size forever. I wish you, like, please don't grow up. And, like, you say that kind of jokingly. But you're also a little bit serious about it. Like, you don't, you don't want him to grow up because he's so sweet and you enjoy where he's at uh, so much. But then you actually start to think about how that would play itself out practically if he didn't ever really grow up, if he just stayed the same size forever. And, and then you begin to realize like, okay, that would like, we would still love him if in 20 years we still had to change his diapers or like give him a bottle or whatever. But we would start to be a little bit concerned maybe about his health or his development if he's 20 years old and we're like still treating him like a little baby. We would love him, but it would just be a little concerning. And so I've got a picture of what I think that would look like. Oh. <laughs> It'd be a little concerning, right? So like if, if in 20 years, Logan was still, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we can just keep going back and forth to it the whole time. Uh, if, if he needed the same things 20 years from now that he needs right now, it would be a little bit weird because he like stopped growing if he stayed stuck a baby and that's kind of what's going on in uh our text so we've been walking through the book of hebrews uh last week we finished up hebrews chapter four and if you read hebrews chapter five and i know some of you guys in community groups specifically the girls you guys are uh walking through the book of hebrews so as you're looking at hebrews chapter five it's uh interesting because the author just kind of continues the conversation uh, from what we talked about last week, where Jesus is like our high priest. He represents us before God the Father. Uh, and that's a beautiful thing. It's really, really awesome. And so the author talks about that all throughout Hebrews chapter 5. But then he almost comes to like an abrupt stop. And then he's like, I want to tell you more about this, but you're not ready to hear it. You're not ready to hear it because like where you are in your relationship with Jesus, where you are in your faith, you've kind of like stopped growing it's almost like you're still stuck in this like spiritual infancy and and it's an issue and so this is how he says it in hebrews chapter 5 verse 11 so if you've got your bibles uh that's where we're going to be hanging out tonight hebrews chapter 5 and then kind of into the beginning of chapter 6 uh but we'll have the verses on the screen but hebrews 5 11 the author says we have much to say about this talking about jesus being the high priest and he compares him to this other guy from the old testament named melchizedek and it's Lots of like interesting, complex things, but he stops and he says, we've got lots to say to you about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. And no longer try to understand there is literally translated as like dull of hearing. So it's almost like you've heard what's true about Jesus, but you've 
maybe grown tired of listening, like you've stopped listening, you've, you've stopped growing, you've heard what's true, but it's gone in one ear and out the other. So you're not like, it's not really changing anything in your lives. And so the author then through uh, the rest of Hebrews chapter five here is going to remind us that growing up is, is good. He's gonna remind the readers like, hey, growing up is good. You shouldn't avoid it because if we avoid growing up in our faith, if we you know, kind of just kind of stay in that spiritual infancy stage, you are essentially like remaining a, a baby. So you stay in like this, you, you remain a spiritual baby. And so that's what the author says uh, in the next few verses in Hebrews chapter five, uh, verses 12 and, and 13. He says, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk is still an infant and they're not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. And so he starts talking about like this spiritual milk that these readers, the original readers are like living on, that they're still drinking. And he talks about it in kind of like a negative way. Like, why are you still drinking milk? But if someone's got their Bibles, can they, can someone find First uh, Peter chapter two, verse two, and then read that loud and proud. First Peter chapter two, verse two. And I think this passage helps us understand a little bit more about like that sort of spiritual milk that uh, the author of Hebrews is talking about. James, you got it? Is it first chapter, uh, verse two? Uh, chapter two, verse two. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by if you may grow up in your salvation, now uh, you have tasted that the Lord is good. Yeah, that's good. So Peter, as he's writing to his readers, is like, "Hey, crave pure spiritual milk." And so the author of Hebrews is like, "Why are you still drinking milk?" But Peter, the same Bible, you know, like it's this like same God speaking through it all. Is like, "Hey, milk is a really good thing." So like, make sure you're drinking pure spiritual milk. And I think that's helpful because it shows us, reading that verse in First uh, Peter, shows us that spiritual infancy, spiritual maturity, being a spiritual baby isn't a bad thing. Like it's not a bad thing to be a spiritual baby. It's kind of a beautiful thing when that's where you're supposed to be. Like being a spiritual baby is a beautiful thing when that's where you're supposed to be. Like I'm not mad that my little baby boy Logan still has to drink milk or that he, like, that he couldn't eat uh, what did I eat for dinner tonight? Ronnie, what did we eat? Oh yeah, we had quesadillas. If I tried to give a quesadilla to Logan, he would choke on it and would not do well. So it's like, I'm not mad that he's not eating like big person food. I'm kind of glad, you know, it's like I get more quesadillas. I had four pieces of that quesadilla and Logan didn't have any. And that's probably a good thing because he's a baby right now. And so he's still drinking milk. And this is also almond milk, just so you guys are not like confused or concerned about anything. Um, <laughs> But Logan drinking milk still and needing his diaper changed doesn't bother me. Like that doesn't make me angry because he's a baby. Like that's where he should be. And so I think that's helpful as we kind of begin this conversation and, and are trying to understand what the author is talking about here when he's talking about pure, or like just this milk that these readers are still drinking and feeding on. I think some of you guys if you kind of took an honest assessment of where you are in your faith and, and in your relationship with Jesus, you could honestly recognize, okay, I'm kind of new to the faith still, and that's okay. That's actually a really good thing. 
And so if you're still kind of learning the basics of Christianity and what it means to follow Jesus, you're still kind of drinking spiritual milk, that's awesome. Like, that's really good. So don't beat yourself up uh, over that and don't feel like the author is condemning you here because the author isn't writing to people who are newer to their faith. People who are new to the faith are spiritual babies who should be drinking spiritual milk. That's good. But this author in Hebrews is writing to people who should be well beyond milk at this point and are missing out on something better, something like richer and, and fuller. They're missing out on it because they are just stuck in the beginning stages of their, their faith. And so that's kind of what the author is, is talking about here. He's, he's talking to those readers. And he's like, you guys are just like, just stuck in the beginning stages of your faith. You're just sipping on, you're just sipping on milk. <laughs> Like, you've just been drinking the same spiritual milk for so long. So, looking, I have not drank out of a bottle before, and that was a lot harder than I thought. Actually, I'm sure I drank out of a bottle. This has been a long, long time. Uh, but looking back at our text in Hebrews, I think the author tells us a couple things about uh, kind of what it means to be a spiritual baby. He offers us kind of two realities about spiritual babies. So, uh, spiritual babies are stuck in the basics. I think that's the first thing we, that we see in our text there. So if you look at verse 12 there in chapter 5, uh, verse 12, it says, You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word. You, you hear that where he says, like, the elementary truths of God's word. And I don't know if it does it for you, but, like, it evokes the image of, like, elementary school for me where it's it's, like, being stuck in... Christianity kindergarten and that's not bad that's that's where we start that's where some of us should be right now but we don't want to stay there like kindergarten is great but if I were if I were in kindergarten today I would it would be awful and I'd be way taller than everyone else and I'd be a little bit out of place like it'd be weird and and that's kind of what the author is saying like the basics aren't bad the basics of Christian Christianity they're not bad they're the right place to start but they're the wrong place to stay and so you just think about, like, the elementary truths of God's word and, and, like, what that's like in this sort of, like, living in the kindergarten of Christianity. You think about kindergarten or preschool for you. You learn, like, the alphabet, and the alphabet is very important. And you learn A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and you learn it all the way through. And, and you learn those letters, and that's huge for you at that time. But right now, that doesn't seem like a big deal. Like, you rarely are thinking about the ABCs anymore, or like, you don't have to remember how they go. Like, you know the alphabet. And now a lot of you guys, and you speak for yourself, but a lot of you guys now are reading textbooks about nursing or sports management or computer science or mathematics. Like, you're reading these like super advanced textbooks, but what makes up like everything in your textbooks? The alphabet, yeah. Like, every textbook you're reading is just a combination of the same 26 letters of the alphabet. So the alphabet, doesn't cease to be really important and kind of the most essential thing for like learning and growing, but it's not the only thing. So like you guys are using what you learned early on, which is the fundamental component of what it takes to learn now, but now you're applying those things to learn other stuff. So the alphabet and the essentials, the fundamentals, they, they matter the most, but they're not the only things that matter, if that makes sense. They matter the most, but they're not the only things that matter. And I think the author here is talking about how the basics of Christianity, the basics of the gospel, the basics of following Jesus, the ABCs of following Jesus, they matter the most, but they're not the only things that matter. 
And so if we get stuck kind of reciting the ABCs of our faith over and over again, that's good because they matter the most. But if you get stuck there, you're missing out on something more because they're not the only things that, that matter. And so that's kind of what the, the author is, is saying here, that like, unless the, those simple, basic things that you learned early on in faith don't change, unless they change something about your life experientially, then, then something is wrong. If our faith doesn't change something about the way we live or think or, or interact with others on a day-to-day -day basis, then we're probably still spiritual babies who are like sipping on milk and, and then you're just stuck doing that. Like you're just stuck sipping on milk, which is a great place to begin. It's a great place for beginning, but it's not a great place for, for living long-term. The basics are good, beginning is good, but we can't let the beginning be where our faith ends and where our growing ends. So we have to let the basics of faith, that, this kind of like spiritual milk, be the beginning of like a fuller, sweeter kind of relationship with Jesus that invades every aspect of our lives. And I think that's a lot of what the author is talking about here, where, yes, this is good. This is the beginning. It's the basis of our faith. But don't stop there. Let this be something that then changes everything about your life and that you begin to experience life with Jesus on a day-to-day -day basis in a way that actually makes a, a difference. And so let it be an ingredient in something that is even better, even sweeter, even fuller than just drinking Kind of that pure spiritual milk. Um, I don't know if this. Crave. Who said? Did anyone say crave? I did. I didn't say it. Well done, Kylie. I'll give you a little piece of this. Um, I went to High B today, and I tried to do this exercise that I just asked you guys to do. Where I was like, okay, what cereal would I really want when I was a kid, but I, like I couldn't have because my parents were like, no, we grew up in the Great Depression. You can't have crave. <laughs> but. Or like Crave is like not good for you. Do you care if I touch it? No. Nice job. All right. Uh, and so then I spotted Crave and I was like, that is the best kind of cereal I can think of right now. Um, I agree. I did think about life cereal too, but then I was like, it doesn't work the same because other people are like, well, life cereal is not very good. It's really good. But what the author is essentially saying is just like, let the basics of faith, the, this kind of spiritual milk, be one of the beginning components that fills everything else in, in your life and begins to change the way that you live and experience life moving forward. Let it be a part of a sweeter type of relationship with Jesus. And so that's what the author is talking about here. So spiritual babies are stuck in the basics. And then if you uh, kind of look at the next couple of verses there, I think he's going to say that spiritual babies miss out on some of the privileges that come with spiritual maturity, like eating really good cereal. And so uh, verse 13, it says, anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. And the word for righteousness that the author uses there is kind of similar, honestly, to how we describe shalom at the beginning of our uh, services here in Dig, where it's like rightness or wholeness or right relationship with God. It's life the way it was intended to be. And I think that's helpful because you just think about uh, like having that right relationship with God and experiencing life the way I was created to live it in a world free of brokenness and, and sin. And a lot of times we uh, 
think about that as like a very futuristic thing where it's like, well, one day in a far off world called heaven, I'll get to experience life the way it was meant to be lived. And if you read scripture, that's true. Like if you're a follower of Jesus, heaven is where we get to begin to experience like the sweetness of, of life with Jesus. But we don't have to wait until heaven to begin experiencing aspects of that here and now. And so I think one of the privileges of growing in maturity as a believer is moving beyond the, the milk and, and like becoming more accustomed with uh, what he's saying here about being acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. Um, and then in the next verse, he talks about like being able to judge between right and wrong um, there in verse 14. And I think one of the privileges of growing in maturity and moving beyond the milk is that you're able to begin kind of becoming accustomed or experienced in making decisions that are in line with God's heart, which then allows you to experience life the way that God intended it to be lived. And sometimes we don't think about it that way where it's like, well, I'm just doing what God wants me to do and that doesn't seem as fun. But if I were to be completely obedient to, to God, I think what I would find is like, yeah, life is harder that way, but it's way sweeter. Like it's way better that way. And I would begin to experience like really, really good, good things about life and a life that's just sweeter because I know Jesus and knowing him is impacting every aspect of my life. It's not just these basic things I believe about Jesus and I'm saved now. It's like, oh, I know Jesus and he's with me in my day to day and it changes things on a very real down to earth level in my life. And so if you flip to chapter six, which is just the next page over. And one thing that's helpful when you're reading the Bible too is uh, just kind of ignoring some of the chapter divisions and verse divisions because those aren't like original to the like original authors who wrote the Bible. They didn't have like, now I'm beginning chapter six because this author is kind of just writing this all as one long letter. And so he's kind of continuing the same thought. They're helpful, like chapters and verses are helpful for navigating it and figuring out like I asked someone to find first Peter chapter two, verse two, James was able to find it because of those divisions. But sometimes they're unhelpful because it's like, we think that they stopped saying something, but the author keeps saying the same thing or continuing a thought. And that's what happens here in chapter six. The author, I think, continues that same thought and just kind of says like, okay, people, like if growing up is good, let's, let's grow up in our faith. You've stopped growing. You've become dull of hearing. Let's, let's grow up in our faith. And so, uh, that's what we see in the next couple verses. I think it begs the question in some ways, how do we grow? Like, what are the basics that we need to grow beyond? Like, what is the, the spiritual milk that he's talking about here? What are those basic things that we're supposed to grow beyond? And I think before we talk about those basics, because he gets pretty practical here in those next three verses, but I think before we talk about it, we have to remind ourselves again that the basics aren't bad. Like, spiritual milk is not bad. It serves a purpose. It's really good. And it's honestly like if you don't currently have a faith of your own, starting out with the basics of faith, with the, the spiritual milk, becoming a spiritual baby is the best thing you could do. Like if you don't have a faith of your own, becoming a spiritual baby is the best thing you could do. But for some of you, you're currently stuck as a spiritual baby and it's like time to move beyond the basics to a faith that is fuller and richer and sweeter than, than just kind of grasping the basics, being saved and being good, but like really experiencing a full life with Jesus in a way that changes things. 
on a very practical level for you. So uh, I think maybe even before we jump into what the specific basics are, it's helpful for us to do a little bit of a self-assessment and just ask yourself the question. I'm gonna give you a couple seconds so you can come up with the answer in your mind here or then you can write it down if you want to. But ask yourself, do I need to learn the basics or do I need to like begin drinking spiritual milk? Like, is that what I need to do? Do I need to become a spiritual baby? So do I need to learn the basics or do I need to move beyond the basics? So just kind of ask yourself that question. Based on where you are in your faith, have you just become a believer or are you currently not a follower of Jesus who has devoted their lives to him? Or have you been following Jesus for a long time and is it time to kind of move beyond those those basic things? So ask yourself that question. I'll give you a couple seconds to find it, the answer in your mind. Do I need to learn the basics or do I need to maybe grow up in my faith a little bit and move beyond the basic things? Crave is a lot sweeter. I, now I know why my parents wouldn't let me have it. But, um, okay, so chapter 6, verse 1, if you're looking in your Bible there, here is how the author kind of says, hey, let's grow up in our faith. He says, therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. Reading that seems a little bit weird because he's like, hey, let's move beyond Christ. That's not what he's saying, though. He's not saying like, hey, let's get rid of Jesus and abandon that and move on to more mature things. If anyone ever says something like that to you in a way that they're insinuating that, like, hey, once you're like a real Christian, then you'll think about these things and talk about these things and you'll know theological words and you won't be thinking about Jesus much anymore because that's just like for the baby Christians. Don't, don't listen to that person because that's not what the author here is saying. I think he's saying, moving beyond something. It's like that is the foundational element. Moving beyond this sort of elemental teaching, what they're talking about is like going deeper into the gospel. It's not abandoning it altogether. It's like, hey, don't just stop at the beginning point of the gospel. Keep moving deeper into that. Build upon what you've learned about Jesus and allow what you believe about Jesus and what you are trusting is true in the gospel message let that impact every aspect of your life. Move deeper into it. Uh, and so that's kind of what uh, the author is talking about there. Um, and so it says, let's uh, be taken forward into maturity and let it kind of the gospel message and what we believe about Jesus, that spiritual milk, let it saturate everything else that we do so that we can experience that richer, fuller, sweeter life with Jesus. So... Now he's going to talk about what some of those specific basics of following Jesus are, the basics of faith. Uh, so the first one is repentance and faith. Kind of uh, those two things go hand in hand uh, together. So verse 1, uh, still in verse 1, he says, Not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and faith in God. So could someone give me like a, a concise definition of repentance turning away. yeah turning away i think that's a honestly really concise and really good and i'm not just saying that because i said i was going to say that <laughs> but it's i'm pretty sure i didn't do the word study on it this time but based on other times i've studied that kind of word it's that they would use it in like military context a lot of times where it was like 
you're marching in one direction. One Direction, anyone? Yeah. Caden with those boy bands, the marching band. They're going to have that boy band show coming up. Um, you're marching in one direction. And repentance, that word a lot of times was used for like when they would like turn 180 and go the other direction. And that's kind of what repentance is in a spiritual sense. It's you're moving in one direction. Moving in a certain direction. <laughs> You're moving in a certain direction, and you recognize that the direction that you are taking yourself is not leading anywhere good. Like, and we talked about this earlier with like the earlier in the semester with like the current inside of us that drags us away toward death and destruction. Like it, it's moving us somewhere we don't really want to go when we think about it. When we see the end destination, it's like that's not really what I want for my my soul or for my life. And so repentance is recognizing, I don't like the direction that I'm going naturally, and so I'm going to actively choose to turn around, kind of the, the 180, and then faith as, so he talks about not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death, and then of faith in God. And so faith then is, okay, I've been going this direction that my sinful nature is kind of pulling me. I'm choosing to turn around and now faith is the active trust in Jesus that he is leading me in a direction that I do want to go that is good for my soul. So faith is kind of like the active trust for like, okay, I'm going to take another step. Okay, I'm trusting Jesus enough to keep taking steps in the direction that he's leading. And, and so those are kind of two of those basic elements of, uh, of our relationship with Jesus. So if you want to begin walking with Jesus and experiencing life with him, the first two components our repentance and faith. And, and that kind of leads to the, the next basic element of walking with Jesus, those ABCs of Christianity. So verse two, the author says, uh, so he said, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. And then he says, or instruction about cleansing rites and the laying on of hands. Uh, so if someone's following along in their own Bible, does someone have a translation other than uh, cleansing rites that says something else there? Verse 2. Instruction about cleansing rites and then the laying on of hands. Yeah, Libby. Mine's just in baptisms. No. Is that what you said too, Hallie? Yeah. Nice. Um, this is pretty much what the word is. Like in Greek, it's literally like baptismos. So it's like where we would get our word baptism. But. Uh, for the original readers of Hebrews, they're coming from a Jewish background, so they're a little bit different than we are. Um, so they're coming from a Jewish background. They had lots of different cleansing rituals where they would cleanse like utensils that they were going to use to cook or offer sacrifices. And uh, those rituals, now because Jesus has stepped onto the scene when the author of Hebrews is writing this book, they have found their fulfillment in Jesus in a lot of ways because the Jewish people would go through those rituals and they would even, I mean, they would like cleanse like their hands before eating, which is just a good thing to do anyway, but they would do it in like a ceremonial way where it's like we're purifying ourselves before God. Like this is making us clean in God's eyes. But all of those rituals are finding their fulfillment in Jesus and have found their fulfillment in Jesus. So what makes us clean in God's eyes and pure in God's eyes is Jesus but the Christian version, the Jesus version of those Old Testament rituals that the author is writing about here 
which is why it says cleansing rites in some translations and baptisms and other translations. The, the Christian version of that, though, is baptism as maybe what we understand it, where a person is plunged underwater as a symbol of like a really significant, powerful spiritual reality that's taking place, like a spiritual uh, transformation that is, is happening in ways that we don't fully understand or see. And that's kind of what baptism is. Can someone find and read Romans chapter 6, verse 4? Romans 6, 4. So, and then if you've still got it in front of you, you can just keep looking through it. But based on Romans 6, verse 4, why does baptism matter? Like, what's significant about that? There are a lot of answers you could give here. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Where it's like, you're, a lot of times, if I'm walking in, in this direction, and then I decide I'm going to turn toward Jesus, a lot of that especially if my like sinfulness is pretty hidden, which is what like my, my own personal story is like a lot of the worst things I did, no one else really knew about. So it wasn't like, oh, Grant was out there murdering people and then he stopped and that was very visible to everyone. It wasn't like that. So in a lot of ways, this sort of like turning around that repentance and then that faith in Jesus for me wasn't very visible but baptism is like, a, oh, this is like a public expression of I am now taking these steps toward, not toward Jesus, like I'm, I'm united with Jesus now, but like I'm following Jesus. It's like a public submission to Jesus as, as your king or as your savior. Why else does baptism matter? that specifically in Romans 6 4 that's kind of what I see there where it's like you just read scripture and specifically that verse you see that like baptism is being united with Jesus so that when we're plunged underwater to us it might just seem like man you're, you're going underwater and you come back up and now you're a little bit wet and you've got you have to have a bag to take your clothes home in because they're soaking wet like it's just very practical in a lot of ways but like in God's eyes, it's way bigger than that. Like there's like this deep spiritual reality and transformation taking place. Where in God's eyes, when you're plunged underwater, you're united with Jesus in his, his death. So then you are also united with him in his like new life. So it's like baptism in and of itself isn't what changes us like it doesn't magically change us it's not magical water it's not like you're getting baptized in sparkling water like LaCroix and the bubbles like take away all your sin or something it's powerful because of what God's doing through it like we're aligning ourselves with Jesus but then God is uniting us with Jesus through that so that in God's eyes the old version of us dies and is buried under the water with Jesus and then we come up out of the water a new person who is eventually going to be completely restored on a physical level, like resurrected into new life, 
but even the process of becoming like spiritually restored completely, it begins. But what's cool about that is I'm going to spend the rest of my life. I've, so I got baptized when I was pretty young. So I spent the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years. Uh, after being baptized, wanting to be, wanting the old me to feel more dead and wanting to feel more like a new person, but not being as new of a person as I wanted to be, if that makes sense. And I'm going to spend the rest of my life wanting to feel like a new person. But what's cool is that eventually I'm going to get to the end of my life and that'll be very clear to me that I am a new person and the sin and, and the current in me won't exist anymore. But what's really sweet about baptism and kind of this transformation that God allows to take place through repentance and faith and baptism is that in God's eyes, ever since those early moments in my faith, like that's already been true of me. Like even though I continue to struggle with sin, all along I've been a new person in God's eyes. And so what's cool about baptism is even though it's just like, hey, I'm going underwater and popping back up, it's something that requires faith that God is actually working through it. And I'm not just going swimming in the middle of a church service or whatever. It's like it requires faith and God works through that and allows that to be this moment where he starts, where the way he views us is so different now. And now I'm united with Jesus and, and I have, like I am a new person because of, of what God has done and because of his grace. And that is a really cool thing. So if you already trust in Jesus, talking about the basics of faith, kind of this spiritual milk, you've got repentance, you've got faith, and then he's talking about baptism there. If you already trust in Jesus or you're kind of wanting to place your trust in him, but you haven't been baptized and embraced kind of that basic element of following Jesus. There's no shame in that, but there is opportunity. Like, very genuinely, like this metal feeding trough. I had to ask Tim earlier today. I was like, what, what would you call that thing? Or it's the thing that we baptize people in, in the, uh, the basement. And he was like, I think it's a horse trough. And I was like, I think so too. So <laughs> this trough over there, we fill it up. And if you want to make that decision and like, have kind of a public declaration of, hey, I am repenting and turning toward Jesus and I want to be united with him in a way that doesn't fully make sense to me, but I trust that God's using it and it's changing the way my standing before God for all eternity. Not because this, because I'm doing anything good, but because God is so gracious and allowing himself to like, just view us differently through Jesus. If that's something you want to do, let me know. Let Katie know. Have a conversation with someone, and we will fill that puppy up with as warm of water as we can get in here. And we, how warm does the water get? Not very warm? Okay, so you have to really want to follow Jesus, guys. <laughs> but we'll fill it up, and we'll baptize people in here, because that, that matters, and that is a huge thing. And it's one of these basics of faith, kind of that spiritual milk uh, that the author is talking about. So, very seriously... If that is something that you are considering or recognizing that you maybe need to do, talk to us about it. Like, I cannot think of anything else that I'd be more excited about than getting to fill that tub up. So that's one of the basics of Christianity. And then the last thing the author is going to talk about is waiting for the return of Jesus. So still in uh, verse 2, he says, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Let's, he says, let's move beyond these things. And so a key element of our faith that maybe we don't talk about a lot is the idea that one day, it's not just that you get baptized and you become a new person. It's like one day, 
on a very real level, I am going to be resurrected from the dead. Like, physical death is, in a lot of ways, an inevitable reality, but for a follower of Jesus, it's temporary. Like, it doesn't last forever. And that seems weird and would seem really weird if someone had no framework for a church or, or uh, Christianity. Like, it's just a weird, strange message. But if you read the Bible, like, over and over again, that's like a key component of what we believe and what the authors of the Bible believed and the original disciples believed. We don't stay dead forever. And so one day, I'm going to pass away. One day, the people I love, they're going to pass away too. But if we know Jesus, if we're following him, if our lives have been submitted to him, we don't stay dead forever, and he raises us back to life. That's part of what being united with Jesus, why it's a big deal. Because if you're united with him in his uh, being raised to new life, it's like the resurrection of Jesus is now just kind of a, uh, a foretaste, like a, a down payment for, like, I'm going to be resurrected too. It's just a promise of like, look, I can raise a human being back to life. God showed us that through Jesus. And now I can have confidence that he's gonna raise me back to life one day too because I've been united with Jesus. Um, and so the resurrection of the dead uh, and the eternal judgment. So it's really just the idea of Jesus coming back. And it's a really awesome thought. It's this core component of our faith. But again, it's just the beginning. Like it's, it's if that's the belief, um, that we have, and that belief is all that we have, we're missing out on a lot, but we're really just drinking that spiritual milk still, and we haven't moved on to that solid food. And the author, I think, with all of those different things, is painting a picture of a person who has come to believe in Jesus, like they have repented, they've placed their faith in Jesus, they're following him, they, they've been baptized, and then they just stop there, and they're like twiddling their thumbs and, until Jesus returns. And so it's like that idea of someone who's like, I'm just punching my ticket into heaven. Like, I'm just doing these first few things, the basics. I'm just drinking, I'm taking a sip of the milk so that I'm good with God. And now I can just wait until Jesus returns and makes everything right. And it's like, that's not bad. And I think there are a lot of people who will be there. And I think, I, I think a lot of people live in, in this, live in the beginning. They're living in the beginning of their faith, drinking spiritual milk. And I... I it doesn't matter what I think, but I think, like, based on the way the authors talk about this, even those people are going to, like, spend eternity with God in a restored world because he's that gracious. And all you need is just a little taste of the milk because it's like those things. It's not what we do that saves us. It's what God does. So it doesn't really matter what, how, like, how grown up you are eating big person food or drinking milk. Like, that's not what it's about. It's not about earning God's favor or anything like that. But the author is saying... Don't just drink the milk. Don't just get saved and then say, I'm going to heaven, because then you miss out on everything between then and now. Like you miss out on the sweetness of living life with, with Jesus in really practical ways in your day-to-day -day life. And that is worth it. Like that is worth moving beyond spiritual milk into the more solid food. We're missing out on the sweetness of life with Jesus and, and the gospel and what we believe about Jesus it should not just stop at feeling like, okay, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven one day. It should change our lives in real ways. Like the, the way we handle conflict should be different because we understand the gospel and because of the way we know Jesus. The way we forgive others should be different because of how we know Jesus. The way we respond to our desires and what we do with our ambitions should be different because we know Jesus and because of the way we understand the gospel. 
and, and like the way we view sitting in a cubicle or standing behind a cash register and the work that we do just in the world, like that should be different because we really understand the gospel and because we know Jesus is with us in those things and God has a purpose for us in those things. And our lives should be more full of purpose and joy and hope right now because we understand the gospel and know Jesus deeply. And a life spent in close relationship with Jesus, understanding the gospel, applying it to our lives, certainly will be harder. But man, it's so much better. It's, it's way sweeter. And so some of you tonight are exactly where you should be. Like you guys are new to the faith, or maybe you're not a believer yet, but you're grappling with the basics of faith and you're maybe like dipping a finger in the milk to see like, okay, it tastes good and I'm interested in this. I want to be a part of that. And that's exactly where you should be. And so don't feel shame or condemnation tonight. Like if, if you are still living in the beginning stages of your faith, that's a really good thing if that's where you should be right now. And so some of you are exactly where you should be. And I'd say keep growing, like keep drinking the milk. Some of you guys are exactly where you should be in the sense that you drank the milk and now you are allowing that to influence and invade every aspect of your life and change everything about the way you live your life. And it doesn't happen overnight, but it happens over a, a lifetime. But you're beginning to experience the sweetness of, of life with Jesus and that spiritual milk is now spreading into and infusing lots of different things in your life. But some of you guys are still drinking spiritual milk and it's good but you're missing out on something better and and so you aren't where you're meant to be yet and so what the author is saying here is just like keep growing like don't don't stop there don't let the beginning be where your faith ends so keep growing and and moving toward this kind of richer fuller life with with Jesus. And so I think if there's one thing that the author wants us to know, he wants us to know that beginning is good, but growing is a lot better. So I'm going to pray that God helps us see that and understand that for ourselves. We are so glad that you decided to listen to this teaching from the Christian Campus House. Join us live at our weekly gatherings on Wednesday nights at 7.30 p.m. during the school year. If you have questions or you want to talk about what it looks like to take the next step in your faith journey, email us at cch.digdeeper at gmail.com. That's cch.digdeeper at gmail.com. We hope to see you soon.